Welcome to Culture Crawl ATX Podcast. I'm your co-host, Michael Ward Jr. And this is Donald Scott II. My main kind of perspective on war is like, I don't think that, um, like I feel like war is kind of this thing that feeds a money machine. Okay. And so people typically feed their particular society's information that keeps them invested in the idea, right? So you tell young men and women, you need to serve your country. Like you, you get that idea in their heads from like early life into adulthood. They feed into that idea. The country as a whole feeds into the idea that those people need to be supported in that endeavor. And then you can infiltrate regions of the world, mine resources, form partnerships and get resources from other countries, stuff like that, based on everyone feeding into that idea. That's pretty much how I see war in general. Do you, do you see war like that in all aspects, or do you just believe that that's like a huge portion? That that's like, I would say that's how I see the war machine, okay, like okay. the kind of perpetual state of it. Got you. There Got are you. individual conflicts that are probably unavoidable based on like incidents happening yeah. and things that are like real historical events. Mm-hmm. Um, but the perpetual state of war is more driven by those things, I think, than an actual like we really need to respond to this in this incidental occurrence. Like I don't think that happens as often as people really feeding into the idea of war as a thing to do and people being able to keep that going for long like decades of like perpetual conflict. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll make two points. One is uh, who's that guy that used to ride around and do the food um, Anthony Bourdain yeah Anthony Bourdain had an episode in Iran Hulu removed it so yeah recently uh, so that's a function to your point of how we culturally tell our society what communities should be respected and what peoplehood is right so Instead of going to see a culture, right? What ha- I can't now Google Iran and see the people and see them as individuals. Got to right? break down that idea of their humanity. So that's yeah. one thing. Two is I read something that was talking about the shift from a draft to the volunteer standing army, and when we went from draft to volunteer. It separated the concept of the cost of war from the people who make decisions because decision makers rarely go to war. They were able to skate the other. Right? So, like, to your point about who's being recruited, I, I do a decent amount of um, uh, high school recruiting. And the people that come with the most to give away is always military recruiters. Um, college recruiters, you know, we show up with a smile, maybe a pin, right? Those cats show up uh, taking names, having already probably built a relationship with, with different communities. And what I notice, in, and I've lived in both coasts and central, I'm from Chicago, um, how you re- how the military recruits is a function of socioeconomics. Absolutely. Right? In, in the more wealthy neighborhoods, and even more wealthy regions that I've lived, you will not see military recruiting. But, um, but like North Carolina, they recruit at the mall. 
I'm, I'm from Colleen. Uh, like, and in Hutto, I was just at Hutto High School. They had all branches um, and like five to ten people per table in full dress recruiting young people of color, right? Um, and I, I think it's interesting because you never talk about war. We're not talking about why they're being recruited. What they're talking about, though, is feeding on the fears of the requirement for education in the United States to not end up homeless. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, or the idea and, of serving. You need to serve. Just, just, right. just to serve, right? Well, and, and having, having being someone... Um, no, feel free. Thank you. But you being someone that's podcast, been you know, in the military myself, I remember looking around at my fellow service members and kind of, kind of taking inventory, like, what made you sign up? What made you sign up? Why are you here? And, and going in with that idea that, like, oh, well, most of them are probably these young people who, like, my, grand, my great-granddad was in this world war and my... But when you actually sit down and talk to people, the average answer you got is, it, I was the opportunity for to be the first person in my family to go to college. Right. It was my opportunity to get out of the neighborhood that I wasn't going to get out any other way. It was my opportunity to find a job. I used to always tell people, benefits-wise, the military is the only job that will provide you food and a place to stay outside of your paycheck. Like, they give you that on top of yeah. your base pay. What other job offers a benefit like that for a young person coming out of high school? So if you don't have an already set path toward college, this is looking great to you. And that That's recruiter right. shows up, and he says, on top of all that, we'll give you a $5,000 bonus if you sign up right now. They got me and three of my friends. We all, like, it's, 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 it's all socioeconomic, so for the most yeah. part. And you see, so like, uh, what I realized about topics like this is that, like, it's a good and a bad because if that was to work in the mindset of just protecting our our country, then great, because that's what we would want, right? Because we do we do need a war to defend us, right? If anything happens, like, you have to have military. Like, every country needs, like, for sure. But it's the way we manipulate. It's the way that we implement it. Just like education systems, like a healthcare system, is that like. These are these are industries or, or areas that need to be a social good, not a business, right? Mm. And we need to remember the the humanity side of, of what we're dealing with as we discuss these topics, as we engage with other countries, how, how we paint a picture of a culture, and, and we, we kind of keep people in a bubble, you know, controlling the narrative instead of let, allowing the narrative to control itself, right, and be organic. Right. And like in like a lot of systems in America, we got to ask ourselves, how does the system how does the system perpetuate itself, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have, for instance, the way the military budget remains so bloated yeah. is that those within the military have to conduct fraud, waste, and abuse in order to it's justify amazing, yeah. next year's budget. Yeah. If you didn't spend the money I gave you last year, why am I giving you money yeah. next year, right? Yeah. So you got when the Iraq War kicked off. You would have people get flat tires in Iraq, and they burn the whole truck. Because I got to, I need to use that as a cost. That was so literally so Congress we can justify this money that they're giving us. So if you have all these billions of dollars, it's just like it creates the, the analogy I always use is like the military budget in America is like a father who sits out on his front porch with a gun and his kids are in the house like dad they turn the lights off and we don't got no food and he's like shut up I'm keeping you safe right and they're like but dad we're starving like like, like Johnny's sick he's going to the doctor he's like shut up get in the house I'm keeping you safe right I got I'm stockpiling guns I got a million planes I got a million ships and it's like dude the entire rest of the world is not sitting outside the United States border just trying to infiltrate the second we 
let our guard down. Like, that's not how the, we perpetuate that idea so that Lockheed Martin can get another contract to send us some more planes. So it's like, what happened to the planes we brought last year? And then if you think about it, like, and as we, you know, go beyond the war, we just think about our relations with foreign policies, right? With foreign countries. So now, like, certain countries don't like Americans. So now Americans won't travel there. So now you limit the exchange of that culture because you are using war as a, as a fair tactic to just really control a community, right? You're controlling your people to make them think and operate a certain way and you know, make them feel like, oh, I have to be in the military. That's the only way out. So, like, we're, we're using the idea of something good, right? Because, like, you know, war should be a good thing. It should be used in a good way to defend. But it really isn't because of the way that it's set up and the way we use it. But I remember feeling like a minority in that group where they were trying to train us to see foreign groups as just opponents. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, isn't his country telling him the same? Like, when we yeah. strap on our guns and go, like, isn't his country telling him the same thing about how I'm the bad guy? Yeah. Like, how can I see that person as not just another person fighting for a whole other set of ideals and yeah. goals and all this stuff? Like, the, I've never believed in the concept of evil. And, like, those are the bad guys. I mean, like, it just doesn't make sense. It's like, I'm sure that person's got a whole other set of motivations yeah. that are fueling. And when you actually listen to people, it's like, no, like, our, in, our um, reason for getting in this conflict is what your country may not have told you is they bombed this relic that meant a lot to our culture. Yeah, yeah, right. So that's why I'm here. Yeah, why are you like, here, right? Why are you here? Yeah. Like, I'm here because they told me you were the bad guy. <laughs> right, like, and I was trying to get out the hood. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah, it's wild. Yeah, and that, that's the, uh, the unfortunate reality. Like, we don't... We don't have a moment to just sit down and talk. Like, you know, war should be a last result, right? Exactly. Because, because war means a potential of life to be spilled, right? Like, someone's going to die, at least one person. Like, we don't want that, right? If, these, if you care about your government, you should be caring about your people. So the first thing is to protect my people. So the last thing I'm going to do is go to war. The last thing I'm going to do is do a nuke. I'm not, doing, I'm not using any weapons unless I have to. The first thing I'm going to do is talk and we understanding. We're trying to come to some, some common ground where we can move forward because we all got to live here. Like I shouldn't want to put my people in jeopardy. You know, I I, I don't want to live, I don't want to have to get more re- re- recruiters. I don't have to keep on having to go out. But but then again, you know, I, I live in a different. But I think it's like how much. But it's like how much you know machismo are you bringing to the table with your perspective? So you, you have somebody who's in that position and they're just like they operate on aggression as a deterrent, right? So they're just like, oh no, I gotta puff my chest out and talk about how willing I am to kill you, and they think that's a way to keep people from wanting to even like you know test the monster um, I think that's true and it, and it also I don't know maybe I don't, it works. I don't feel that way but I so um, one nobody knew about the drone strikes during the Obama years right nobody nobody talked about it until he was out two Trump on Twitter threatened to bomb a cultural, cultural site. Yeah, it's it's detestable. Yeah. And and nobody blinked an eye. I did. <laughs> I mean, like news media, yeah. government. They didn't shut down government. And be like, yo, right? This is too far you now. Must be committed. Uh, and then it's an industry, right? Mm-hmm. So the way we think about war. We ignore loss of life, right? We're talking about the fact that our uh, military-industrial, com- uh, what is it, complex, feeds families, right? So we have a tech industry, 
we have media industry, we have food industry, we have agriculture, and we have war, right? So even, even if you don't call it war, are we at war with Iran? Who knows? But we There's drop, an economy invested They in. drop bombs, we drop bombs, and then, no, we drop bombs, they drop bombs, then they blew up a plane with their people on it. And I, maybe that calmed things down, but we don't know what's happening because we know that our society and our media doesn't tell us the truth. Yeah, so it's like, you know, what's really war then, right? right. So now it's like, you know, war, it just means like aggression towards another country. Well, then, you know, I would say the U.S. is always at war in many different countries right. because we are meddling into you know, other areas. But the media just doesn't tell the full. I think, I think people who, who come from disenfranchised communities can relate to a little bit more <laughs> is that side of the underbelly of it, knowing that what keeps it going it's really the perceptions that are fed into the, the greater society, right? So literally, it's just like you could have uh, the, the the people who are flying the planes and dropping the bombs and going to the direct conflict, but it's really what the communities around those people are being told that keeps that going. You know what I mean? It's like it wasn't it wasn't until they were beaming pictures back of what was happening in Vietnam to American television screens and suddenly people saw that as very different than like what thought, yeah. than what they thought and, and how they traditionally looked at war yeah because it's yeah. like pr- previously it wasn't televised and it's like oh when you see that now you're making that human connection that they were trying to break from the beginning by convincing you those people weren't right. really people they were bad guys they were you know whatever and now we've got all of our call of duty video games uh, starting at the for children right I, I have to tell my kids constantly uh, what's this game where they dance? Just dance? No, no. It's a murderous video game. Murderous video game that dance? Oh, uh, Fortnite. Fortnite. Oh, Fortnite. Okay. Fortnite has been marketed to children. Yeah, right. Yeah, my sure. kids know what Fortnite is. Yeah. Yeah. Having never too. been allowed to play from my permission. But their parents have bought it for them. Uh, they've seen the dances on YouTube, but really what we're doing is indoctrinating our children yeah. into the concept of murder. I don't agree I with that. How not? Because I think that I think that that is a perspective that is born out of a lack of engagement with that entertainment type. So I'm guessing you don't play Fortnite. I've seen it. But you don't play it. I don't play it. Right. Because everybody has an axe right. and a gun and shoot them in the back of the head. Right. So there are other entertainment types that you do engage in that you probably get engaged in from the time you were a little kid that could have similar content, but you wouldn't feel that way about it. It's the disconnect between something you personally experience and something you don't that makes it like this great like mystery evil thing. It's, it's, the un, it's the unknown about it that drives that perception that it's like this super harmful thing. It's the same thing with like parents when like rock and roll came on the scene and then like, you know, comic books. And it's, there's always the thing that that particular generation is not engaged with that seems a lot more evil than this. So you think letting ch- hope, f- pause. I'm gonna ask. Do you have children? I have children, and I'm a gamer, so I'm very, I'm okay. very personally connected to everything <laughs> okay, we're okay. talking about. So what you're saying is you let your children play Call of Duty and all these other war games. Well, my, my son's four, so he has no interest in playing Call of Duty. But this is what I'm saying. Four is the age. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying is I'm not, I'm not under the impression that interactive entertainment is somehow more dangerous than passive entertainment when it comes to content, right? So. 
Wait, are so you, I would, I would at have, seven, you're going to let him play? These, let at play. what age would you let your child play a game where the people are running and killing and there's blood everywhere? Well, but th- that's the thing. There, that, that's a, that's a mis, um, mischaracterization of the content, right? Yeah. Fortnite is rated T for teen. There is no blood. There is no... But... but like so, it's 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 cartoon violence. It's just like Tom and Jerry, you know, Bugs Bunny. There's a children understand co- comic depictions of violence versus gory, realistic depictions of violence. So something like say, um, call, 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 call of Duty GTA is going to have a more realistic depiction of violence than yeah. like a Fortnite uh, okay. or like you know a more ca- cartoony type, type okay. game. So I think that's going to have a different impact. So but, wait, but wait, wait, wait. So what? you're saying is I should let, not that I should, but you're saying I'm being overprotective by not no, letting the kids no, no, no. play Fortnite? No, no, no. Your kid, you do what you, I, I don't, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, always looking for I'm not that guy. guy. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not the raise your kid the way I say you do. No, no. yeah. With my kid, I would say I'm more interested in contextualization, right? So I'm not, okay. because I understand the disconnect between my generation and his generation, my generation, when I grew up, you had to stay up late at night to hope that the porno channel at some times got a little clear so maybe you could see a breast. And he's like, ah, oh, I saw it. Yeah, right, like, right, right. Now, my, my son is born with a second he can touch a computer, he can access full-blown pornography with the click of a button. I got to understand that he's growing up in a completely different environment than I did. So I got to adjust to that. Mm. So to me, it's not going to be where my parents might have been more about like shielding me from that experience with him I'm going to try to take the course of contextualization yeah. so now I'm not trying to keep you from being exposed I'm to it you I'm going to yeah. say hey let's talk about this yeah. what does this mean this is a game what's, what's the message we, we investigate that and analyze it together yeah. oh, so, okay. I, so okay. I send him out into the world because he's going to come in contact with shit I never would have come in contact with it at age. Yeah, that's true. So I got to make sure his mind is more prepared to like understand it rather than just being automatically influenced. Right, because no matter what I'm shielding, even if I'm shielding my own, ch- this is taking a turn now, but <laughs> I like this. Even thing. if I'm shielding my children from a, 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 a content, when they go out of the house, their friends have this stuff yeah. on their phones anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's so yeah, much right? harder to so do it these days. me trying to before. pretend like the conversation's not going to be had yeah. is me putting my head in the sand. Right. Yeah. So maybe I will just go ahead and buy him a controller. Because who I want my they son keep to asking. be, yeah, right. who I want him to be is the one who, when the kids are all together playing the Call of Duty and someone's like, you know, uh, throwing out like a homophobic slur or something when you mm. shoot someone saying hey man that's not cool I want yeah. him to be the person right. who's like right. in that space to do that because right. I've contextualized that for him right. rather right. than just right. blindly let him participate yeah no it's, it's definitely agree I have a little sister she's 11 and she loves video games man she grew up watching me and my little brother play video mm-hmm. games right She's in the same thing, um, but with my my little brother, like he would be very aggressive with games. Uh, you know, he's very aggressive with games. I mean, the game when the game uh, when uh, when he didn't do well, like, he would like break the controller, throw it in my wall. Time, I like that's how you play games. We gotta talk anger management. It's just a game. It's just a game. You know, but uh, but yeah, you can use that to really like you know tell how to handle their emotions. You know how they feel when something doesn't go according to their plan. Um, so yeah, okay, because okay. I, I mean, my generation is kind of like the first one, like. Like the video game industry grew up with us, so like literally, like we we've seen it progress in a way that like our parents didn't, and and the kids who were younger than us didn't. 
And so we have the advantage of really being able to understand like the process. Well, I feel like I understand the impact of, of video games on a human brain in a way that no other generation does. Because it's literally like we were doing it from kids and the technology grew up with us. So if like if it was going to turn us into mass shooters, it would have done it. So, I'm going to say this as a collective group. Wait, let me get one thing. Go ahead. Um, yeah, we were, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go close out and that'll be good. 20 minutes? Yeah, I'm going to close it out. Okay. Yeah, this is the end of Culture Crawl Actually, podcast. Yeah. I know we did a little turn, but we're done now. Yeah. <laughs>